0: Pablo Escobar, who has been dubbed the King of Cocaine, is still considered the most successful criminal in the history of the world, having amassed over $30 billion worth of wealth in just two short decades. How did he do it? Well, you're going to find out in this episode of Lawyer Up. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the channel. My name is Joshua Roberts, attorney at law, and today we are going a little cocaine casual uh, in honor of the topic of uh, the history of cocaine. We're gonna talk about where it comes from, the different forms of cocaine, uh, how it's used. We're gonna talk about how it's made. And of course, no discussion of cocaine would be complete uh, without looking at the life and times of Pablo Escobar uh, and his smuggling of drugs into the United States uh, during the 70s and the 80s. Hey, if you like my GTA Vice City look, then hit that like button. If you wanna know more about the law, subscribe. If you got something to say, comment below. And as always, I love it when you share me on social media. So let's talk about cocaine, or coke, or blow, or it goes by a lot of different names. But essentially what it is, is a strong central nervous system stimulant that is most frequently used as a recreational drug. Now cocaine is either the second or the third most popular uh, recreational drug in the world. Uh, marijuana is obviously number one, uh, and the meth people and the coke people, they fight about, uh, uh, who's number two, but they don't really keep official statistics on that kind of thing. Now, cocaine is commonly either snorted or smoked or injected. It works by inhibiting the reuptake of neurotransmitters in the brain, resulting in a greater concentration of serotonin and dopamine in your brain. Now, the mental effect of that is an increase in awareness, a dullness of pain, and feelings of uh, euphoria in the user. The physical effects include an increase in body temperature, an increase in heart rate, uh, pupil dilation, and an increase in blood pressure. And in an overdose scenario, it can result in stroke or heart attack. And because of its addictive qualities and the high potential for overdose, it is listed as a hard drug. It's illegal in almost every country in the world. There are some medicinal uses of cocaine hydrochloride, but these are limited to uh, basically nasal surgeries where the cocaine hydrochloride acts as both a numbing agent uh, and a, as they call it, a vasoconstrictive agent uh, so that it numbs and acts as a local anesthetic uh, while it's also reducing the bleeding. So in some countries, cocaine hydrochloride is used for medicinal purposes, and that would include the United States. But it's a very limited usage it's most popularly used recreationally and i can tell you uh, that the uh, sale distribution smuggling trafficking of cocaine is illegal it's illegal everywhere in the world and in the united states the distribution of cocaine is a class a felony that is the highest level of felony uh, if you get caught distributing cocaine in the united states At the federal level, your sentence is from 10 years in prison to life. That's 10 being the minimum amount of time you would spend behind bars if you're caught distributing cocaine. And so it's a very serious crime Uh, and nothing in this video should be construed that I'm trying to glamorize uh, cocaine in any way. Uh, Cocaine is a hard drug and as all hard drugs, uh, they ruin lives. Uh, they ruin families and they ruin communities we know in communities where they have higher instances of drug arrests and drug incarcerations uh, that there's also more crime in general there's more violent crime more domestic abuse more hospitalizations and a higher instance of children being taken into protective custody and i've seen it firsthand over the last 20 years in practicing law uh, on the criminal defense side of things so i can tell you Do not use hard drugs. It'll get you nowhere fast. And most of the time, well, you'll wind up in prison, but that's enough of me preaching to you. Let's talk about cocaine and its history because it is a fascinating infotainment topic. Now to understand the different types of cocaine and the different types of uses, you really have to start with the coca plant from which its psychoactive ingredient is sourced. Now, the coca plant is about three to four feet tall, and it has small green leaves on it. Uh, They almost look like green tea leaves. Uh, They are indigenous to the mountains and jungle areas of Peru, Bolivia, and Colombia in South America. And the cocaine is actually extracted from the coca leaves themselves. Now the leaves of the coca plant have been picked and stuck in the mouths of people who live in South America for years. Uh, They chew on it much like we chew on chewing tobacco Uh, and it provides a mild stimulant. It dulls pain and gives a general feeling of uh, wellness uh, and happiness. Uh, They also use it in Peru, in the Andes Mountains, uh, to treat altitude sickness. And these forms, while they're pleasant, they are not the cocaine that you and I know. To transform these uh, coca leaves into cocaine is actually a fairly involved process. So let's talk about how cocaine is made. Now, there are three types of cocaine. There is a cocaine base that we will talk about. It's generally referred to as free base cocaine. And then there is something called cocaine hydrochloride, and that's the powder cocaine that you know, that you see in the movies that people snort. Uh, there's also crack cocaine. And we'll talk about how you make each one of these types of cocaine, because each one is different basically in the method that it's created, uh, in its consumption, and then also in its costs. So let's talk about the steps that one goes through to make cocaine. Now uh, these vary, there's different methods uh, and they can do this in different quantities and in different places. But this is the general method that most of the cocaine that comes from South America, this is how it's made. And the first phase is called the extraction phase. And this is done by the farmers in the mountains of Colombia and Bolivia and Peru. Uh, The first thing they do is they pick the leaves off of the coca plant. Uh, They take these leaves and then they spread them out on a tarp and they let them dry uh, for about a half a day. The next step is to chop up or mulch the coca leaves Uh, and they can do this by hand or machine. Some use uh, weed whackers to actually go through and chop up the leaves. Once the leaves are chopped up, they're spread out again and they are sprinkled with a combination of uh, powdered cement Uh, yeah, that's powdered cement, if you can believe that, sulfuric acid and phosphorus. Uh, These substances are sprinkled over the leaves and then the leaves are mixed together, kind of like a salad. So you get an even coat over all of the coca leaves. From there, you take these leaves and you put them in a 55 gallon drum, and then you add gasoline. They use diesel gasoline or they call it petrol. Uh, You add the gasoline to the drum with the leaves and you let it sit overnight. When you come back the next morning, the uh, cocaine has now been extracted from the leaves. And we start the next stage, which is called the base stage. In the base phase, the farmers drain the liquid out of the 55-gallon drums. Uh, They're left with drums full of leaves. And they're done with the leaves at this point. That can be discarded. What they want is this green fluid. It's a mixture of cocaine and diesel gasoline. Uh, However, they don't want it in that form. So they put it in another barrel and they add ammonia to it. And when you dump in the ammonia, it immediately causes a chemical reaction uh, where it turns this green uh, liquid. It turns it milky white as the gasoline molecules are uh, attaching to the ammonia molecules uh, and they're releasing the cocaine. What you're left with is this creamy, milky white substance, uh, and from there the farmers take it and they pour it through a filter. Uh, most often, they use cloth. Uh, the uh, ammonia and the gasoline pours through the cloth, and what is caught by the cloth is this kind of uh, milky, uh, white, uh, gooey substance. Uh, And that is the cocaine that's called cocaine base. The farmers call it pasta base. And it's a milky white substance that uh, looks similar to the cocaine uh, that you and I know and see in the movies. And the farmers dry this base cocaine. uh, And that's usually as far as the farmers will take it. They will sell it to cartels. Uh, or sell it to intermediaries who take the pasta base or the cocaine base uh, to, most of the time, to cocaine labs to be processed into the next phase, which is called the hydrochloride phase. Once you get your base or your free base cocaine into a lab, uh, or you can do this in a kitchen, but on the large scale they do it in cocaine labs in uh, South America, uh, you take the cocaine base and you give it a acetone and water bath. Uh, then you bring the bath up to a boil and mix in hydrochloric acid. This creates a crystallization of the cocaine base, uh, and transforms it into cocaine hydrochloride. From there you drain off the solvents again, and that cocaine is pressed. It's either done by hydraulics or by hand to get rid of all of the excess liquids and solvents. From there, the gooey white mass that is left is poured into what they call bricks or molds. Uh, and they hold about what will ultimately weigh about a kilo uh, of uh, cocaine. Once the mix is poured into these bricks, they're allowed to dry. And in the olden days, they would dry outside in the sun. But in modern cocaine labs, they just stick them in a microwave oven to dry the cocaine. The finished product is cocaine hydrochloride, uh, the powdery cocaine uh, that uh, most people are familiar with. Now, at this point, the cocaine is ready to go, but we know that cocaine is very expensive. We'll talk about statistics a little bit later. And drug dealers are always thinking about ways where they can expand their profits or make their product go further. Uh, And the main way that they do this is by either what they call stepping on or cutting uh, the cocaine hydrochloride. And when you step on the product, what you're doing is adding some external substance to the mix that isn't cocaine. They use all types of additives, including baking soda, caffeine, ephedrine, inactive sugars, amphetamines, almost anything white and uh, remotely powdery can be moved or inserted into the cocaine. Uh, because you know, this substance isn't exactly regulated by the FDA. Who are you going to complain to if your cocaine has extra baking soda, right? However, by far the most popular way that the dealers step on their product is to add baking soda and water to it, which converts uh, cocaine hydrochloride or powder cocaine into crack cocaine. Now crack cocaine is made by dissolving cocaine, hydrochloride in a mixture of baking soda and water. Once you process it, and after you squeeze out all of the excess solvents, when it dries, it becomes this brittle, uh, kind of a milky, uh, light brown substance in a kind of rock-like form, uh, and it's called uh, crack. And it's usually yellowish to light brown, and it's much less expensive than the pure powdered cocaine. Most people will smoke crack, Uh, They put it in a glass tube and light the tube, uh, and the sound that the crack cocaine makes uh, as the water and the baking soda is heated uh, and the water escapes uh, makes a crackling sound, which is where the name crack cocaine comes from. So let's talk about how this stuff is consumed. Now, remember, there's three different types of cocaine. You've got your freebase cocaine, uh, you have your powder cocaine, and you have your crack cocaine. And there's three basic ways that people use it. They either snort it, they smoke it, or they inject it. Now, you can't uh, use each type of cocaine in each way. So let's talk about the specifics of how people generally use the drug. Now, when you're talking about snorting, uh, usually uh, we're talking about powder cocaine. Uh, because it's the only form of cocaine that is water soluble, uh, meaning it dissolves in water. Uh, You need this type of uh, cocaine when you are snorting it because it needs to dissolve or soak into the membranes of the nose. Uh, If you snort uh, freebase cocaine or you snort crack cocaine, it's not going to dissolve and you're not going to get the same effect. So uh, people generally only snort uh, powder cocaine. Uh, And in doing so, they'll generally uh, spread it out on a hard surface. Uh, uh, They call it a line, three or four inches long. uh, And then they'll snort it. And they use various devices to assist in the snorting. Uh, They can use a hollowed out pen, uh, a cut up straw, Uh, Some people will just use the end of their fingernail, Or some people just put their face right down there in it and they snort it. Now, the three or four inch lines of cocaine are called lines or they're called bumps. Uh, When you get into a really long line, that's uh, nine or ten inches long, you usually see people rolling up $100 bills and snorting what they call a rail. And that is an extremely long line of cocaine. And as I mentioned, it coats the membranes of the nose, the inside of the nostril, and is absorbed into the bloodstream in that way. Now, People generally do not smoke powder cocaine. Uh, The hydrochloride in it gives off a a terrible taste and a terrible odor when it's burned. Uh, So generally uh, you'll be snorting or injecting, we'll get to in a minute, uh, powder cocaine. uh, The only two ways uh, that that is used. But let's talk about smoking. When a user smokes cocaine, they simply heat that cocaine and it gives off a vapor or a smoke and then they inhale it into the lungs uh, by which it is uh, basically incorporated into the bloodstream of the human body. Now, most users just use a simple glass pipe that's hollowed out uh, so that they put the uh, freebase cocaine or the crack cocaine into the pipe, uh, heat the bottom of the pipe and then inhale the fumes. As I mentioned, you don't do this with powder cocaine because the hydrochloride uh, is very acrid. Now, the injection of cocaine is, again, uh, the process where cocaine is dissolved uh, into a liquid and then injected into the human body. Obviously, this is the fastest way to get cocaine into the bloodstream. You just put it right in there. Uh, again, it requires the cocaine to be water-soluble, uh, so you won't be injecting uh, crack cocaine, you won't be injecting free base cocaine. This is dissolved powder cocaine. Now, while this is the fastest way to get high by cocaine, it is also the most dangerous. Uh, number one is because there could be an embolism or a blockage in the vein caused by whatever was added to the cocaine to cut it, uh, these foreign substances. The user is also subject to all types of blood-borne infections infections. infections if they don't use sterile equipment. Uh, So it's a very dangerous thing to do uh, injecting uh, cocaine. And a particularly deadly form of injection is mixing cocaine with heroin. Uh, This is known as a speedball and it is a killer. This is exactly the combination that is responsible for the deaths of John Belushi, Chris Farley, River Phoenix, Lane Staley of Allison Chains, comedian Mitch Hedberg, and Philip Seymour Hoffman all died of an overdose from doing a speedball. So don't even think about doing one. Now last but not least, there's something called plugging. It's a little weird. Uh, it's where you take the powder cocaine and you form it into a ball or a suppository and then you stick it in, well, any hole on the body. Uh, and people do this, yes, including that hole. Uh, apparently, uh, you can get high that way. It's not a one of the most popular ways to use the drug, but people do take cocaine and stick it in places where the sun don't shine. A little weird, yes. Yeah. So let's talk about some statistics uh, and pricing when we're talking about cocaine. Now, the price of cocaine, interestingly, varies drastically depending upon what part of the world that you are in. Uh, And today, 75% of the world's cocaine comes from the country of Colombia. So let's start with the farmers of Bolivia, Peru, and Colombia. Now, an acre of the coca plant will produce about 250 pounds of coca leaves. And it takes about a thousand pounds of these coca leaves to give us one pound of cocaine. If you convert that to kilos, uh, one kilo of cocaine is 2.2 pounds. Uh, So what that means is you need 10 acres of coca leaves to produce one kilo of cocaine. That's the bad news. The good news is you can harvest these leaves uh, up to six times a year. So 10 acres of coca leaves will produce about six kilos of cocaine Per year. Now this cocaine base uh, that the farmers generate that I told you about earlier, uh, it goes for about a thousand uh, dollars a kilo uh, and they sell this to the uh, cartel or intermediaries who turn it into hydrochloride cocaine or powdered cocaine. Now in Colombia you can buy a kilo of powdered cocaine for about two thousand dollars a kilo. Uh, however, if you take that same cocaine and you transport it to the United States, It goes for anywhere between $25,000 and $30,000 a kilo here in the States. And if you're willing to bust it up and sell it by the gram, it's going for about $100 a gram. If you think about it, there's 1,000 grams in a kilogram. So if you're getting $100 a gram, that's $100,000 a kilo. If you're willing to break the cocaine up and sell it individually. That is a lot of money. And that's why people are willing to kill and be killed uh, over the sale and the transfer of cocaine, which is exactly why the most successful at it of all time, Pablo Escobar is considered the wealthiest criminal in history because he was able to do it over the course of two decades and build a criminal enterprise. That's really uh, never been duplicated since. But before we get to his story, let's go way back in the history of cocaine and figure out where it started. And as I told you before, the coca leaf Uh, has been chewed uh, by the people of Peru and Bolivia and Colombia uh, kind of as a tobacco uh, for centuries. Uh, I told you it gives them kind of a mild uh, stimulant effect, a pleasant feeling, uh, a feeling of euphoria. And it's also infused with tea and used to treat uh, altitude sickness uh, in the Andes Mountains. However, that form of consumption is not the cocaine that we know of today. The isolation of the actual cocaine alkaloid was first done in 1850. Now, alkaloid is just a fancy word for a compound from a plant uh, that has a physiological effect on the human body. Uh, Cannabis, uh, opium, and of course, cocaine. All alkaloids. And the original use for the alkaloid of cocaine was for medicinal purposes. In 1855, a German chemist by the name of Albert Niemann gave cocaine its name. Of course, coca is named after the plant that the leaves come from. And ain is actually a common suffix for a local anesthetic uh, like Novocaine. Uh, so at that time it was used as a local anesthetic, so it was named coca cocaine or cocaine. And while it was originally used for medicinal purposes, it didn't take people long uh, to start using it in a recreational basis. In 1860s, uh, the uh, cocaine was mixed with wine in what was called a coca wine, uh, the most popular of which was called then Mariani. And it was a favorite of Pope Leo XIII in Rome who was said to never have uh, been found without a flask at his side. Uh, not to be outdone, uh, over here in the United States, a man by the name of John Pemberton made his own coca wine. However, in 1855, alcohol was declared illegal in the state of Georgia uh, where he was making his coca wine. Uh, so he had to quickly shift gears from his sweet wines into another sugary substance. Uh, what he came up with, he called it a cola, and thus, coca-cola was born and between 1886 and 1906 uh, coca-cola had uh, what they call coconized uh, leaves in it so when people say i heard that uh, coca-cola used to have cocaine in it that's actually true It did for about 20 years until the Food and Drug Act of 1906 was passed, uh, after which time uh, Pemberton had to uh, source decoconized coca leaves for his Coca-Cola product. Skip to 1910 and you could buy cocaine in drugstores. In fact, uh, on Beale Street in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, it was originally known for cocaine sales and not for music. And the popularity of cocaine grew until about 1914, uh, when it was declared illegal in the United States. After that time, cocaine was really dormant in the U.S. uh, until about the 1960s. Uh, when we uh, were uh, hit with the hippies. Now, the hippies weren't doing cocaine. They were doing marijuana and LSD, and they were doing their thing. Uh, But what they did was they normalized drug use uh, for recreational purposes in the United States. So when the next generation came along, uh, they wanted their own drugs. And they adopted cocaine as the drug uh, of the 70s and the 80s that fueled the mantra of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It was also during the 70s where Pablo Escobar was learning his craft down in Colombia. And while his story has been memorialized in countless movies and most recently in the Netflix series Narcos, uh, what he did is amazing. Uh, He was able to build a... uh, essentially a 30 billion dollar empire in just two decades over basically the sale of cocaine. After Escobar learned the uh, smuggling trade uh, in the 70s, by 1976 he was the head of the Medellin cartel in Colombia. Escobar established uh, trade routes and smuggling routes all over the world and was basically uh, single-handedly or at least principally responsible for the explosion of cocaine use in the United States uh, in the 70s and the 80s. It is estimated that at his height, he was moving between 70 and 80 tons of cocaine into the United States on a monthly basis. And this was certainly not without its troubles. Escobar had to battle the authorities, uh, both home and abroad he had to fight with other drug cartels and it's estimated that he was uh, responsible for or ordered up to over 50,000 deaths and this include anybody that stood against him including politicians, uh, judges, witnesses, uh, anybody that stood against his cartel was uh, targeted to be eliminated by the Medellin cartel. And in the middle of it all, in 1982, Escobar was elected to the Chamber of Representatives in Colombia. Uh, And he became wildly popular with the local people uh, as he went from town to town building schools and community centers and houses. Uh, And he became one of the almost like a Robin Hood character uh, with the natives of Colombia. In fact, at his funeral, 25,000 people attended. So Escobar is one of the most polarizing people uh, in the history of the world. Uh, he is absolutely vilified by many and loved by many others. In 1991, Escobar surrendered to Colombian authorities uh, and entered into an agreement whereby he would avoid extradition to the United States, where he was facing several life sentences if convicted. The arrangement that he worked out with the President of Colombia was that he would serve a five year sentence in Colombia in a jail that he himself built. Well, that lasted about six months and then Escobar escaped. That's a shocker. Uh, and he was on the lam for another oh year and a half before he was finally cornered uh, and killed in a shootout with the Colombian National Police. Now, whether he was killed by the police or he took his own life, that is still the subject of debate and lore. But regardless, in 1993, he was killed at the age of 44. So how did he do it? How did he smuggle all of those drugs into the United States? Well, in the beginning, he just did it by airplane. He would load an airplane full of cocaine, uh, fly it from uh, his property in the Bahamas and land in Miami. Uh, He usually did it under the cover of night. uh, But as he made money, he bought bigger planes and then brought in more and more cocaine. Now, as the authorities caught on to what he was doing, he started to get more creative. Uh, There would be drops of cocaine out uh, uh, at sea, Uh, and there would be uh, charter boats that would go out during the day, and they would get the cocaine, and they would come back. Uh, It wasn't uh, out of place for these commercial fishing vessels to leave and then come back at the end of the day, Uh, and so often these Uh, types of businesses were incorporated uh, into uh, drug drops of uh, cocaine that were made out at sea. Escobar also started doing uh, land drops through Mexico where he would coordinate uh, uh, with the Mexican cartels and drop drugs uh, at various uh, secluded locations in Texas uh, right across the border. And maybe most interestingly, right before his death, they purchased two Russian subs. Uh, These were remote control subs, but you could load basically a ton of cocaine. uh, And they were used to smuggle cocaine from Colombia to Mexico in submarines. What is almost equally as fascinating is how uh, they smuggled the money out of the United States. Uh, But that's another topic for another time. Uh, Once uh, Escobar was killed, the Medellin cartel was quickly gobbled up by other cartels uh, in the area. And while the majority of cocaine uh, still comes from Colombia, they now partner with Mexican drug cartels uh, to get the product into the United States. Uh, The principal Mexican cartel, Uh, responsible for smuggling cocaine is the Sinaloa cartel. Uh, Its area butts right up against the southern United States, and it was formerly headed by somebody you may have heard of before, El Chapo. And the current drug cartels, they still do airdrops into deserted areas of Arizona and New Mexico, California, and Texas. Uh, But today, uh, most of the Mexican drug cartels are moving product in a smaller manner. They use mules. uh, They use human beings who hide the cocaine either on their body or in their bodies uh, or vehicles uh, and they break it down and bring it across the border in smaller quantities. Uh, They do this for a couple of reasons uh, one of which is if someone gets caught you lose a larger amount of product uh, but also uh, they can completely disavow any association with a person who happens to get caught by the authorities. Ultimately as we sit here in 2020 the popularity of cocaine has declined. Uh, for in the United States uh, from its height in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, today the more popular drug in the United States is methamphetamine and while they still call cocaine the rich man's drug and crack cocaine has certainly made uh, an inroad, a lot of drug addicts have switched over to meth which is essentially uh, half the price and three times as potent. Well, that's the episode on the history of cocaine. I hope you have liked it. I hope you have enjoyed the more relaxed uh, uh, look that I have put on for this video. It's been a ton of fun. If you liked the video, hit that like button. If you wanna know more about the law and these types of interesting topics, then subscribe to the channel. Uh, If you got something to say to me about something, comment below. And as always, share me on social media. I appreciate you watching. I'm Joshua Roberts, and you've been watching Lawyer Up. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Dad, get me out of this.